Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. Hey, quick, quick reminder, if you did sign up for All In, it's not taking place here. So you need to drive up to Quakertown, right? I know they said that they just want to remind you, so you're not hanging out here. I know a few people from here, there's people from the other campus as well, but we'll have one here in the next two months. I believe two months from now, we'll have one at this location as well. I'm going to try to be quick, but you know that's always a trick when the pastor says that. I'm going to try to be quick um, in order for us all to be able to get up because all of our staff that's here needs to get up there as well. So we're going to just lock the building, and if you're here, you're just going to be locked in. We'll set the alarm and we'll see you again next week. Um, but we're going to try to get out. We're wrapping up our series uh, today. If you haven't been here, we've been doing a series going along with our theme for the year, which is Stand Strong. And we've been kind of exploring this theme uh, by going through some stories in the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel. And so we've been exploring this theme and we've been talking about things like standing out in a world of fitting in, right? Like we need to stand out, but we need to make sure that we're standing out in the right way for the right things. We talked about standing firm firm in, in the face of the fire, right? We talked about how we need to stand firm in our faith when there's tests and trials. How many of you have experienced some tests and trials in your life? So we talked about how we can stand firm even in spite of the trials and the tests we experienced. And last week we looked at Daniel in the lion's den and we talked about how as an 80-year-old man at this time, uh, how he has lived his life and he's continued to stand strong in his faith throughout his entire life in captivity, over 60 years serving uh, these evil kings in this evil land, yet we see him continuing to stand strong, continuing to stand firm. Why? Because he was a man of character, he was a man of convictions, and he was a man of courage. And we said, hey, listen, if we're going to live for Christ, if we're going to continue to stand strong, not just start well, but finish the race well, then we need to also be people who have strong character character, convictions, and courage. This morning we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 10 as we end this series, and we're going to be talking about the title of the message this morning is Battle Ready. Battle Ready. How many of you know that there is a battle going on? Come on, how many of you, you know that? Like, I'm not talking about just the physical battles. We, we deal with physical battles in life as well. We deal with, you know, the real physical things. But how many of you know, not just the physical battle, but there is a spiritual battle that is taking place in the unseen. There is a battle going on that's been going on from really the, almost the beginning of time between good and evil, between God and his angels and the devil and his demons, between God's kingdom and God's purposes and his will being done and the enemy who the Bible says is the, the prince of the kingdom of this earth and his plans being done. There's constant battle going on that we cannot see. Now often when it comes to this battle, we respond to it in one of two ways. And usually there's different extremes. Come on, and maybe you can kind of fit yourself into one of these categories, maybe not. But normally we deal with it and think about this idea of spiritual warfare, spiritual battle in one of two extremes. We either, number one, overemphasize it. How many of you ever met somebody that's just like super, super, super spiritual? Everything is a spiritual battle. Right, like everything, every problem they face in life, every, every you know, trial they go through, everything is a spiritual situation. Everything is a demon that needs to be rebuked. They'll be sitting in traffic. And they'll be like, I rebuke you, Satan, in a Mazda in front of me, in the name of Jesus. Come on. How many of you ever been around? Like, they just, everything is spiritual. Be like, no, 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 that's not a spiritual attack. That's just bad driving. There's, there's not, it's not, not everything is a spiritual attack. Not everything falls under that line. The other extreme, though, and, and maybe if you've experienced one growing up, you kind of move to the other extreme in response to it. But the other extreme is you kind of underemphasize it, right? You just kind of ignore it. I don't understand it. It's kind of weird, kind of freaks me out. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to pretend that it doesn't exist at all. And can I tell you, both of those extremes are wrong. 
Like both of those extremes are not the right. The reality is we have to understand that the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle is a very, very real thing. The Bible is clear in the existence of this spiritual warfare. And it's crucial for every single believer. If you call yourself a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, it's crucial for you to understand and to be aware of what's going on. Not to live in fear. Right, Not to be afraid of what's going on, but to understand that, that there's nothing you can do to avoid it. There's nothing you can do to, to miss out on it. You're a part of it. It's surrounding you. What is happening in the unseen is just as real and oftentimes more important than what's happening in the scene. We have to be aware and we have to be prepared. Now, again, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If I'm, if I'm going to put myself in one of those two extremes, I, I, would, I would say that it's easier for me to fall into the underemphasized extreme. Like, there's just times in my life where I just, I'm kind of oblivious to what's going on. And, and this should maybe in response to things I saw growing up at times, where I met some people that were just like super, super spiritual, like, that person is crazy, right? And so you respond to it by going the other direction. But I'll be honest, there's, there's times where I just kind of underemphasis. But I will also say that there has been times in my life, and maybe you understand what I'm talking about, where I was very, very aware that there was more going on. Like there was more going on that I could not see. I can remember a time when I was in this program called Master's Commission, probably 18 or 19 years old, down in Texas. Um, it was a discipleship training program, was what I did for, for ministry training. Uh, it was really hands-on. I really loved it. But I can remember every single day of this program, we had an hour in the morning uh, that was geared towards prayer, reading our Bible, spending time together with our other people in the group and with the Lord in this time of prayer. And anybody, you're not a morning person. When I was 18 years old, I was less of a morning person than I am now. So we would go into the sanctuary. It was a room just like this. They turned the lights down. They put some worship music on. I had every intention of spending time with the Lord. Every, like I came in with every single morning with every intention. But I would sit down. Sometimes I would be walking around praying, trying to focus. And then I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible for a little bit. And I'd sit down in the chairs just like this. And I'd start reading my Bible. And then I'd lay down in the chairs just like this and start reading my Bible, and then I put my head on the Bible and just pray that the words would just soak right through the pages, and then I'd fall asleep. And afterwards, um, everybody else would be done praying and, and going up to the front to pray together, and I'd wake up and, you know, wipe my eyes like I had been praying the whole time, but I was justifying because, you know, God gives rest to those he loves, and he really loves me, so I was just taking a nap and just enjoying the presence of God. But I'll be honest, I'm not as much of a morning person, but I was, I was really more focused at nighttime, and I'm still that way. Middle of the night, like, you know, midnight, two in the morning, I'm, I'm, I have more energy. So I would often go back to our house where we lived with some of the other guys in the program, and I would, once everybody else fell asleep, I would spend time in prayer, and I would read my Bible. And most of the time, it was normal, just spending time worshiping. It was a great time, but there was times that I can remember. I can remember one specific time where I was spending time in prayer. I was reading the Bible. I was interceding. And I, in a moment, it just came on like a moment. It just completely felt a heaviness. Have you ever been in a moment like that? All of a sudden, I started like the cold sweats, like fear and anxiety just swept over me in this moment. I was just completely overwhelmed. It wasn't a good presence that I was feeling. It was like an evil, just, just like I, I knew that something else was going on. I could feel this attack. It was, it was crazy in that moment. And I felt very strong in that moment. I, I need to pray. I need to claim the promises of God. I need to not walk in fear in this. Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world, right? I have, to, I have to push through this, strengthen through this, rest in God's promises through this. But there has been times in my life, and again, it's not all the time, but there's been times where I've become very, very aware of that spiritual battle that is, that is taking place. And the reality is, as far as Christ, we all need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of the spiritual battle that's going. It's very real. Jesus was very clear that there is evil in this world. He was very clear that, that there is a real 
enemy, the devil, that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that God has come to give us life and life abundantly. God has a plan and a purpose for you. He has a desire for your life to experience true life. But we also have a very real enemy who wants to rob people from experiencing that life, who wants to rob, steal, and he deceives, he tempts, right? The Bible says this about our enemy, Satan, in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's always on the lookout. He's always on the lookout trying to destroy and devour and keep people from reaching God's plans. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Why? Because Satan is a deceiver, and he's a liar, and he wants to keep people from experiencing the truth of God, the goodness of God. We have to understand our enemy. We have to be aware of the way he works. If we're going to stand strong, like we've been talking about throughout this series, then we need to be battle ready. We can't be apathetic about this. Again, we shouldn't over-spiritualize it, but we also shouldn't under-spiritualize it. We can't be apathetic about this. We need to be aware, and we need to be prepared. And so in this portion of Daniel that we're looking at in just a moment, the veil is going to kind of be pulled back. And we're going to get a little bit of a glimpse into Daniel's life and an experience he had that was very, very real, very, very terrifying for him. But a little bit of a glimpse of that spiritual battle that is taking place. Before we do that, I want to open in prayer. Would you open in prayer with me today? Would you invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to look at your word today. God, I pray that you would speak clearly to us, Lord. Lord, that we would not be afraid Lord, that we would not be people who overemphasize or underemphasize, but Lord, we would be people who understand the spiritual side of things, the battle that is waging, Lord. We would be aware and we would be prepared, that we would be people who are battle ready. I pray today that you would speak through your word, you would speak through me, that it would be your words and not just my words. And we thank you for that. We invite you into this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 10 starts out by saying this, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All the time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. As we mentioned last week, just to give you a little bit of kind of background of what's going on here. Daniel at this time was in his mid-80s. He had another vision as he's had other times throughout the book of Daniel. Uh, You can read about this vision in Daniel 11 and 12. It kind of talks about this vision there. It was a prophetic vision that had a lot to do with the end times. It had a lot to do with the nation of Israel and what they were going to experience. It also had to do with the actual, uh, had to do with the Messiah coming. It had to do with the Antichrist and the end of times. It, It covers all of this essentially history. Stuff that would happen that's already happened now in our day and age and stuff that still hasn't happened. He was, he was seen in this vision, and and it's a pretty intense and overwhelming thing for Daniel. So much so that he's been praying and fasting, uh, denying himself to spend time in in prayer and to seek the heart of God. Some of the reason people believe that he was in mourning, scholars believe that he was in mourning, was because at this time, the first remnant of people under Cyrus had gone back to Jerusalem to start rebuilding the temple, but only a small group compared to the nation that was there actually went 
Many didn't go, and Daniel is 85 years old. He's not going to be much use building a temple at the time. He has a place of leadership, and so he stays back. But he's constantly hearing reports from back in Jerusalem about the opposition that they're facing, about how this building of the temple is not really going well. And so he's in mourning because of that. He's sad because of those news. And then he's also mourning because of this vision he's had. He's frightened, and so he does what he's probably done many, many times in his life. When he's overwhelmed, when he feels like he doesn't know what to do, when he feels like he can't take the message that he's received, he takes time. He denies himself. He spends time fasting and, and praying and taking it to the Lord. He understands that it's a spiritual battle he's fighting, so he's going to fight it in a spiritual sense. goes on to say in verse 4, On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing. I want you to try to visualize this. I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. How many of you, if, if you saw something like that, you'd be a little bit like, like a little bit terrified? Yeah, all of I mean, I, I would definitely, like, I would not, that would be terrifying. And pretty awesome, but also pretty scary. He saw something that was kind of terrifying. Now, there's some debate um, to what, who Daniel was seeing at that moment. There's, there's some debate. In fact, I, I don't know. I'm not going to clearly tell you who it is because I don't really know. Some people believe that this was an angel, uh, possibly the angel Gabriel, maybe some other unnamed angel that was appearing and was very glorious. Uh, some people believe that this was what they call Christophany. Uh, essentially, that was an Old Testament showing of Christ. Before he was, uh, came to earth as a, a, a child, before he came to earth as a human put on flesh, he was always existing. He always existed with God. It's not like God created him. He was always there. And so sometimes throughout the Old Testament, you see these instances where, where Christ showed up onto the scene in a different, revealed himself in a way to a certain person. I honestly, personally believe that this is one of those Christophanies. It's just one of those times in the Old Testament where Jesus showed up, but I'm not gonna guarantee you that's it because I just don't really know. And there's still a lot of debate on who that really is. What we can agree on is what he saw was pretty amazing. It was spectacular um, and it was frightening and it was kind of overwhelming. In fact, it goes on to say in verse seven, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. So he's here with other people. Only he saw the vision. The men who were with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and I lay there with my face to the ground. We can clearly see that this is an awe-inspiring moment. The others who were with him, they weren't able to see the same vision. But the crazy thing is even though they couldn't see it, they knew it. They sensed it. They sensed that there was something powerful going on, right? They were like, we're out of here. Like, we're, we, we're, this is all good before this, but this is a little bit freaky, Daniel. You stay here by yourself. And Daniel is seeing this. He's experiencing it. His body is getting weak because of what he's seeing. His knees are starting to shake. He's getting those cold sweats, right? Like, it is overwhelming. And then, then this creature speaks. And when he speaks, I mean, that's like the end. Of, his voice is so powerful that Daniel just, poosh, just like falls on his face and he's just laying there, fainted out under the presence of this. I mean, just can you imagine that for a second? Can you imagine what it would have been like? The, what, I, what I think when I see that is even the strongest, his, Daniel was a man of God. 
We've seen all throughout this, these, these last few weeks, Daniel was a man of God, a man of character, a man who sought after the heart of God. But even the strongest of men, the most spiritual men, can't stand the weight of the glory of God. They can't stand in the presence of the glory of God. I mean, have you ever had a moment like that in your life? A moment where, where the presence of God was so real, the, the presence of God was so real in your life that you just felt like you couldn't stand anymore, that you had to just sit down or, or kneel. Again, I said to you, I'm not, like, I, I'm not one of those like, over-spiritual, over like, I don't experience this kind of stuff much, but there's been times in my life, times in worship where I experienced something that's not anywhere near what Daniel was experiencing here, but where I, I came face-to-face with the, 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 the presence of God. I can remember a time just a couple years ago, uh, we were at our, our minister summit, which is essentially a, a pastor's meeting for all the pastors in our state every year. It's like a, a business meeting, but it's also a time of worship. They do ordination and everything else during this time. And I remember I was there, they had a, a prayer and communion kind of morning, a worship morning. And I was in this, this sanctuary with a bunch of other pastors, and I was up in the balcony, and I was worshiping to a song. We probably worshiped with many other times. It wasn't this new, fresh song, but in the moment of worshiping during this song, I just was overwhelmed. Like, again, I'm not like super, super emotional person, but in this moment, I just started bawling. Like, I, I just started crying, and I, I just felt God's presence so strongly. And I think it was like I was being hit with two different things in that moment. I was being hit with the reality that I am I'm screwed up. Like, I was just, I was like, weird. like I, I, I was understanding at that moment that I'm just co- completely unworthy. How many of you ever just felt that in God's presence? I'm not worthy. I, I'm not, like, I, I don't think I'm, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm not, I should not be here. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm just a failed person. And in that moment, that's what I was feeling. I just felt overwhelmed with my own inadequacies. But at the same time, I felt like I was just experiencing the, the presence of God so strongly. And in my inadequacy and in my failures, I felt his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And it just was like sweeping over me that I remember I was just crying and bawling and I just got down on my knees in this balcony and I was just worshiping. And I don't remember the song, I don't remember anything, but I remember the moment because I was faced with the, just the might of his presence in spite of my brokenness. And I think in Daniel, for in his life, this is, this is one of those experiences and even greater. He's experiencing that moment. He's experiencing that, that moment where he's in God's presence, where he's faced with his own inadequacies and He understands how great God is. And and listen, I hope you have experiences like that. I hope there's times in your life where where God shows up in that type of way in your life and and it's so real. And you understand just how big God is and how much he loves you and cares about you in spite of your failures. That you have moments like that. As we look over these next few verses with this interaction between Daniel and this man and these other angels, I just wanna encourage you when it comes to spiritual warfare because again, I think sometimes when we talk about things like this, spiritual warfare, it's easy for us to, to kind of feel overwhelmed. How many of you would say there's times when you talk about this stuff, it just feels a little bit overwhelming? You feel a little bit inadequate. Maybe it feels a little bit Scooby-Doo. Come on. Like, it's, this is, like I, don't, I don't really believe that stuff. Like, this is, this is one of those moments, and, and I, I don't want you leaving here feeling that way. I want you to leave here today feeling encouraged and, and challenged, and hopefully your heart being put at peace if you're a follower of Christ when it comes to the spiritual battle. And so what I want to do as we look at the stories, I think we can pull out four different things that we can learn that will hopefully help us to be more battle ready. The first thing, if you're taking notes, that we can see in this story, that we're going to see in this story, is God loves you more than you'll ever understand. God loves you more than you'll ever understand. I want, I want us to see what happens in these next few verses when Daniel is at this place. He's down on his face. He's overwhelmed in the presence of God. What happens in verse 10 and 11? It says, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. He's not even fully up at this point. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. 
So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. I want you to understand that God loves you more than you ever want fully understand. If you're in Christ, the Bible says you're his child. God is your perfect heavenly father. How many of you have kids? How many of you, your dads, you have kids, and your kids drive you crazy sometimes? But you know there's nothing that can ever change the way you love them. And guess what? You're a flawed father just like I'm a flawed father. God, the Bible says, is our perfect heavenly father, that he loves us perfectly. He loves us more than we will ever fully understand. The hand of our perfect heavenly father never extends to push us down, to bury us, but always to lift us up. Doesn't extend to condemn us, but even when, when there's conviction in our lives, the purpose of that conviction is not so that we would beat ourselves up and feel beat down, but ultimately conviction, the purpose of conviction is to draw our hearts back to Christ, to draw us back into relationship with him, not to condemn, to always to lift up. If you're in here today and you're not walking in relationship with God, can I tell you more than anything else, God wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to experience and come to a true saving faith in his son, Jesus Christ, that you would surrender your life to him, that you would experience his abundant life, that you would stop being deceived and falling for the fake counterfeits that the world and Satan offers, but that you would experience his perfect presence in your life and that you would understand that he loves you more than you'll ever understand. For some of you, this is something that you really, really need to hear today. This is something that you need to leave here with, with, without a shadow of a doubt, knowing that God loves you more than you under, can ever understand, that you are precious to God, that you are valuable to God, that he loves you and cares about you, that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already loves you. Like some of us, we live our whole lives trying to make God love us. If I just do the right thing, if I act the right way, then God's gonna love me. Guess what? He already loves you perfectly. There's nothing you could do to make him love you more than he already loves you. And guess what? There's nothing you could do to make him love you less than he loves you. He already loves you perfectly. We have to understand that he loves us more than we'll understand. He loves us because it's just what he is. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. You're valued by the creator of the universe. Understanding this love is really foundational. It really is. The Bible says it's the the kindness of the Lord that leads us into repentance, that leads us into relationship, the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace and the mercy of God that leads us into repentance. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And not only does it bring us into a relationship with God, it sustains us as we walk in relationship with God. It's what should always be the foundation of our relationship with God, understanding his love for us. It's what gives us victory as we walk in spiritual battle. I wanna share with you one of my absolute favorite portions of scripture. Um, one that I, I memorized as a teenager, at least part of this one as a teenager, one that's always been one of my favorite verses. And I want you to see how this verse speaks to, to God's love and how God's love works when it comes to the spiritual battles that we experience in life. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says this, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So verse says, if you're in Christ, you're more than a conqueror through Christ's love at work in and through your life. You're victorious through Christ's love and his work in your life. 
that nothing can separate you from his love, not an angel, not a demon, not your worries or anxieties for today or your fears about what tomorrow will bring. No power in hell at all can separate you from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you wanna know how much God loves you, just look at the cross. Look at the cross. Because what Jesus went through was not about what he should have gone through, it was you and I should have gone through, and he went through it in our place for our sins. God's love was re revealed in that moment. And just like Daniel needed in this moment a feeling completely overwhelmed, a feeling completely inadequate, a feeling completely like he didn't match up, he wasn't good enough, needed to know first and foremost more than anything else he needed to hear, he needed to hear and understand that he was precious to God. He was loved by God. So you and I also need to understand more than anything else that we are loved more than we'll ever understand. It's foundational. You need to wrap yourself up in the love of God. When it comes to the spiritual battles we face, we need to be rooted and established in his love, first and foremost. Another thing we can learn from Daniel is this. Number two, God is doing more than we can see. God is doing more than you can see. He's doing way more than we will ever fully understand or comprehend behind the scenes. I want you to see verses 12 through 14. It says, then he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding, and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. We're really getting into a glimpse of the, the spiritual realm in this moment. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. I love that the angel says the moment that you started praying, the moment that you humbly began to seek the Lord, your prayer was heard. The moment your prayer was heard. But then he reveals a little bit of a delay. How long has Daniel been praying and fasting? Pop quiz. 21 days. What did he say? He said for 21 days... The spirit, the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. For 21 days, Daniel was just praying and interceding and pressing forward, but he was doing spiritual battle. He was fighting with that, with that angel against the spirit prince of Persia. There was a blockage that he had to push through, that he had to pray through, and he kept praying. He had been in spiritual battle. The angel was warned. He didn't know that was going on behind the scenes, but God is always doing more than we can understand, more than we can comprehend. There's always more going on in the spiritual realm. What does Daniel do? He keeps praying persistently. He keeps denying himself, seeking the Lord. Even when he didn't get an answer right away. For many of us, let's be honest, we like to give up. I ain't getting an answer right away. I guess God doesn't care. I guess God didn't hear me. I guess his answer is no. Daniel just keeps praying, keep believing, keep trusting, even when his answer was delayed. I want to encourage somebody in here today when it comes to your prayers. Just as the angel said to Daniel, the moment you prayed, your prayers were heard. I want to encourage you that when you pray and when you seek God, your prayers are heard. Your prayers are heard. Some of you have been praying for a long period of time. Maybe you've been praying for a long period of time for that, that child of yours that has walked away from God. Maybe you've been praying for a long period of time for that healing in your in your body, or healing in some, one of your loved one's body. Maybe you've been praying for that miracle for a long period of time, and you feel like giving up, and you feel like you're, no, nobody's listening to you. You feel like God is, is not hearing your prayers. I want to encourage you, just like the angel encouraged you. Know, the moment that you prayed, God heard your prayers. You don't always see the answer right away. You don't always know what God is doing, but he's always working. 
He's always doing more than we can see. There's a portion of scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6, and I wasn't even going to share this, but I want to share it with you. There's a story, and I would encourage you to read 2 Kings chapter 6. I believe that's where the story takes place. But in this story, Elisha, um, he is, he is uh, in a situation where, where he is about to be attacked, and his servant is with him, and his servant looks out, and he says, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by chariots and horsemen all over the place. They're going to attack us. What should we do? We should, we should surrender. We're going to lose. And Elisha said to him, Who's for, those who are for us are much greater than those who are against us. And the servant is like, what are you talking about? There is, there is, there is people everywhere out there about to attack us. They're about to overtake us. And Elisha prays, God, open his eyes. Open his eyes so he can see. And the Bible says his eyes were open, and when he looked out, he saw thousands of horses and chariots of fire, God's army surrounding the other army. And that moment he was, he was overtaken, understanding that God always does more than we can see. Just because it doesn't, it doesn't happen right away, I want to encourage you to be persistent, to understand that God is always working. He's always doing more than we can see. Our job isn't the results. Our, our job isn't, isn't to, to know it all. Come on, some of us, we, we think we want to know, but can I tell you, if you knew more than you know right now, you'd probably be afraid and wouldn't move forward. Our job isn't to have all the answers. Our job is simply to, tr to pray, to trust, to keep seeking, and to trust God with the results. Understand that he's always doing more than we can see, just like he was doing more than Daniel could see or understand in this moment. Third thing I want to talk about when it comes to understanding the spiritual battle, and this one is really, really important. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this one. God has given you everything you need for spiritual battle. God has given you everything you need. You have everything. You lack nothing you need when it comes to winning these battles in this life. Some of you, I don't have what it takes. If you're in Christ, you have everything you need to be victorious. Everything is yours. In Daniel chapter uh, 10, verse 15 through 19, it goes on to say this. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to even say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision. I have seen my Lord and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger. And I said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. I love this part of the story. He's still in a place of feeling overwhelmed, but this angel that had been sent to minister him touches him, speaks to him, encourages him, brings him strength. He's no longer fighting in his own strength, in his own power. He's now fighting with the strength of God. Some of you, when we try to do this in our own, in our own power, we try to fight these spiritual battles in our own power and our strength, we're going to be like Daniel in this situation, completely overwhelmed, completely inadequate, but we're not called to fight these battles in our own power. We're called to fight these, these battles in the power of our, of our risen Savior. It's through his power at work in life. In fact, I want to look at some of our key verses um, for this stand strong theme that we've been talking about. We're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Now, I'm not going to break these verses down in, in as full detail as we will because in a few months, we're going to preach through the book of Ephesians over 12 or 13 weeks. And so we'll, we'll break them down more during that time. But I want to just look at these verses and kind of explain them just a little bit to understand that God has given us everything we need. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, it says this, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I want to break this down really, really quick because I think this is really, really important. And, and the first thing he says in this portion of scripture, what he says, he says to be strong in the Lord, to be strengthened in the Lord. Oftentimes when we read this, we focus on the armor. Because if you're a guy, you're like, sweet, we have armor, right? Like, this is awesome, I'm a knight. But he doesn't start there. He starts by saying to be strong in the Lord, to be strengthened in, in the Lord. He doesn't say to be strong uh, by the Lord or of the Lord. He, be, he says to be strong in the Lord. He's trying to paint a picture for us that our strength doesn't come from being around God. Our strength comes from being in Christ. Our strength comes from being constantly connected to Christ, from walking in constant connection. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 15. He says, remain in me and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing, nothing. This is our strength comes from being strengthened, being strong in the Lord, from walking in constant connection to him. Apart from him, we have to realize that we can do nothing. We cannot fight these battles apart from him. We're not made to fight these battles apart from him. It starts with this. Before we talk about the armor, before we talk about putting on what God has given us to fight, we have to remember that our strength first and foremost comes from the connection to our Savior. You'll never have the power to do what you need to do in your own, in your own power, in your own strength. It says abiding in Christ to experience his power. The Bible says that God's power, the same power that conquered the grave, the same power that, that rose Jesus from the dead, that power lives in you when you're in Christ. When you walk in Christ, abide in Christ, you experience that resurrection power in your life. So after talking about finding our strength in the Lord, then he says to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand firm. And James, it says to submit to God and to resist the devil. Surrender to God, submit to God, worship God, and to resist the devil. This is what he's talking about. It says, put on the armor so that you will resist the devil so that you can stand firm. So what do these pieces of spiritual armor represent? First, he talks about the belt of truth. He talks about the belt of truth and how important it is. Why? Because Satan is a deceiver and he's a liar. He's constantly trying to distort truth. And so if we don't fully understand truth, if we don't fully understand God's truth, we will be exposed. So he says you need to walk in the truth. We are to know the truth, believe the truth, speak the truth, be consumed with the truth of God. God's truth has to hold everything together. Just like a belt literally holds our clothes up so our pants don't fall down in battle, saying the spiritual belt is what holds everything together, is what keeps you from being exposed in battle. Truth has to be central to what you do. And then he says to take the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate guards our vital organs, specifically our heart. So he says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
I want you to understand he's not saying about your own righteousness here. He says, don't, don't try to guard your heart with your own righteousness, but God's righteousness. We talked about this verse before. The Bible says that he became sin, Jesus, who knew no sin so that we could be the righteousness of God, so we could be right with God. We don't stand against the enemy's attack in our own righteousness, in our own, look how good I am. Every single one of us would, would lose that battle. The righteousness that guards our hearts is the righteousness of Jesus who was perfect in our place for our sins. We stand in that righteousness. And he talks about taking the shoes of peace of the good news. He says, everywhere your feet takes us, we are, we are called to be prepared. Everywhere we go, we, we go, not in our own steps, but as ambassadors of Christ, as representatives of Christ. With the job of proclaiming, listen, it doesn't matter if you're in full-time ministry. It doesn't matter if you have a full-time job. It doesn't matter if you're a parent at home. Everywhere you go, if you're a follower of Christ, you go as an ambassador for Christ, as a missionary for Christ. You have called to, to have your feet ready to proclaim the good news. The Bible says to always be prepared to give people a response when they ask you why you have the hope that you have. When people ask you this year and all of this chaos that's going through, why are you still happy? Why do you still have joy? Why do you still have hope? You need to be prepared to give them an answer. So he says to always have your feet ready to proclaim the good news wherever you go. And then he goes on to say, not only that, you need to, talk, you need to bring the shield of faith. Faith is what enables us to be protected from the, the fiery darts of the devil, those darts of accusations, those darts of condemnation. It's our faith, despite what we see, it's our faith that we hold strong to, to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. And then he goes on to say, not only that, you need the helmet of salvation. Our ultimate defense when it comes to the attacks on our mind, because that's where often the enemy works, right? And can I just say this about our enemy? He's not all-knowing. The reason the enemy has the ammunition he has at times is because we speak things. Man, I hate, I hate my life. I hate myself. I hate everything about me. The enemy's like, this is easy. This is easy because you're just so negative all the time. You're speaking about yourself. I hate my marriage. And the enemy's going to say, you know what? You should get a divorce. You definitely can find somebody better. Your, your spouse doesn't like you either. That's how the enemy works. He doesn't, he's not all-knowing. He, does, he doesn't know everything. He's not God. But well, we speak things. He has his ammunition and then he attacks. He attacks our minds. So what does he say? You need to have the helmet of salvation. You need to guard yourself with the, the truth of salvation, the assurance of salvation that you have in Christ. That's how you fight the enemy's attacks on your mind. And then lastly, he talks about the sword of the spirit. Our offensive weapon is the word of God, not our own opinions or emotions. That's important. Some of us, we go to battle, I got my sword, and it's like one of those balloon swords because it's your emotions. They always change. They can be popped real easy, right? He says, no, that's not your sword. Your sword is the word of God. The word of God, the Bible says, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. You need to know, listen, some of you, you go into battle all the time without your sword. Why? Because the only time you ever look at the Bible or read the Bible is on Sunday mornings when you come to church and you think that's gonna be adequate for battle. Guess what? It's not. What did Jesus use when he was tempted? Scripture. And guess what? You cannot use Scripture if you don't know Scripture. And you cannot know Scripture if you don't read Scripture. You don't memorize Scripture. You don't just hear Scripture, but you actually apply Scripture to your life. Live it out. We need his, his sword, the sword of the Spirit, his word of God. And then he goes on to say this. He talks about the importance of prayer. This is really how we fight this battle. It's a spiritual battle, so we fight in a spiritual sense. It says to pray at all times, in all circumstances. Pray, not in your own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit who is living in and through you. We pray about everything. 
God has given us everything we need to experience victory. Everything you need, he has given you. Don't go into balance, I don't have what I need. I, I'm not strong enough, I can't. No, you can't, you're not strong enough. But God has given you everything you need. As you abide in him, as you walk in him, as you put on this spiritual armor, as you guard, guard up every single day for battle, he has given you everything you need to live victorious. And the last thing I wanna encourage you with as we close today, is not only that, but ultimately, God has already won. So rest in his victory. This is really, really important. I heard a quote, and I really, really like this quote. I wanna share it. Pastor Tony Evans, he said, you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. The battle has already been won. You're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. The battle has already been won. We need to remind ourselves when we're in these battles in life that God has already won the battle. If you are in Christ, you are victorious. You know how the story ends. If you're on team Jesus, doesn't matter what the situation looks like at any given time. Doesn't matter how bleak it looks because you have won. Somebody said this before, and I always like this. It says, next time Satan tries to remind you of your past and your mistakes, just remind him of his future. Because there are certain things that are certain. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like at any time. Victory is yours because victory is ultimately his. If you're in Christ, you're guaranteed. When Jesus died on the cross, when he overcame death and defeated death, victory was ultimately won in that moment. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ when he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, I like this, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. First John 4, 4 says this as we close today, but you belong to God my dear children, and you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Would you stand with me as we close today? Again, I, I just wanna encourage you. I wanna challenge you to be reminded of this today. To not fight for your victory, but to fight from your victory, from a place of victory to remember that greater is he that is in you if you are in Christ than he who is in the world. That you have everything you need. That God loves you more than you understand. That God is doing more than you understand or you will clearly see. That God has given you everything you need for victory and ultimately, even when you forget those things, understand that victory is already God's. He's already won. So rest in his victory. Maybe you're in here today. And I hope that you've been encouraged and challenged over these last few weeks. I hope that you've been encouraged to, to live for Christ, to represent Christ well, to understand that you, you go as an ambassador of him everywhere you go, that even when times get tough, even when things get pressing, that you, we, we've been called to stand strong, to stand firm. I hope you've been encouraged and challenged in this way over these last few weeks, but I also wanna take a minute as we pray and as we close today to pray for you. Maybe you're in here and and you're in one of those places, you've been praying for a long season, or maybe you just feel kind of spiritually overwhelmed. You just feel like you don't have what it takes to keep going. You feel like God has not heard your prayers. You don't really sense or feel his presence or his love for you. You're beginning to believe the enemy's lies in your life. And I wanna encourage you and challenge you that you gotta keep fighting. You gotta fight through it. You gotta continue to press on. You gotta continue to understand that victory is already yours. God hears you. He's doing more than you can see. Be encouraged today in that way. As we close, maybe you're in here today 
And we're going to take a moment to just kind of extend our hands and reach out to you. Maybe you're in here today and you would say, that's me, I'm going through a battle. Would you just raise your hand right now so we can pray with you? Anybody who would say, I see a hand over there. Anybody else? If your hand's up right now, if you're around somebody that's hand is up right now, I just want you to extend towards, I know it's COVID, we're not going to like get around each other, but would you just extend your hand towards that person around you? As, as we carry each other's burdens as the body of Christ, you're in a season where you feel overwhelmed, where you feel like giving up. We're going to take a moment to pray for each other in just, in just a second. But I also want to want to say this, if you're in here today, you don't know Jesus yet. You are walking in your own power, in your own strength. You don't have what it takes to win the battles that you're experiencing and facing life, but I have good news for you. You can leave here today in the power of the God of the universe. You can leave here today, the Bible says, as a new creation, walking out of here, not fighting in your own strength, in your own power, but in the power of Christ. He wants to change your life today. He wants to do a work in and through you. He wants you to leave here with the assurance of knowing who you are in Christ, your identity in Him. If you're in here today and and you don't know Christ, I want you to just raise your hand as well right now. We're gonna pray for you. And I just wanna encourage you, don't leave here today without surrendering your life to Christ. Don't leave here today the same way you came in here. It doesn't have to be any magical words that I say you repeat or anything like that. In your own words as we pray and close today, just surrender your heart to Jesus. God, my life is yours. I repent. I turn from my sins. I turn from doing the things that I've tried to do in my own power. I turn to you, God. I give you everything if you will take it. I want to walk out of here as a new creation, as your child, in your power, in your strength. Father, I thank you for every person in this room today. Lord, I pray for those who are in here who are, who are your children, who have surrendered their hearts to you, who are following you, God, but who feel overwhelmed and discouraged. God, I pray right now, supernaturally, as our hands are extended towards them, God, Lord, they would feel your presence in this place. God, just as Daniel in that moment needed to know more than anything else that he was loved by you, they would leave this place today. If they know nothing else, God, they would know more than a, without a shadow of a doubt, more than anything else, that you love them more than they can understand. God, I pray that your love would strengthen them. Your love would encourage them. God, I pray that you would do a work in their lives that only you can do. And we thank you for that. Lord, I also pray for those whose hands are raised, who are right now surrendering their hearts to you, who walked in here today in their own power, in their own strength, but who are walking out of here as your children. God, I pray that this day and this moment would be a significant moment, that they would remember this day that they gave their hearts to you, surrendered their hearts to you, began to walk as your child. Lord, this wouldn't just be a prayer or a moment, but this would be a life changed, a regeneration of the heart that only you can do. And we thank you for that, Lord. We, we just want to worship you in these next few moments, God. We just want to thank you for your goodness, God. We want to worship you in spite of what we feel, in spite of what we see, in spite of what we're experiencing. We're going to worship you. We're going to give you everything, God, as we leave here in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.